Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodman Taylor, a.k.a. the Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. episode planned for you guys today it is our crossover episode we'll be having two other people from other podcasts um join us for an episode today but for right now we got tia what's going on tia Juwan, i am so excited to be back here Ooh, echo there but that just goes to show how excited i am to be back here on these five flies speaking with you because it has been a solid minute, so always really happy to break down the latest news with you, Juwan. Absolutely. It's been a while. That's why I said don't call it a comeback because we've I been here. I love that title. Um, but it, it has been a while. Um, we will be joined with Will from um, Cena Nerd and Dan from They Called This a Movie um, a bit later, but I figured since it's just me and you, Tia, Let's get right into it. Um, I don't want to start with trailer talk because I kind of do want to kind of work Will into that a little bit. So I thought we'd start with one of the topics I'm pretty sure you could care less about, but it means everything to me. Um, And that's the (laughs) report that we got that Power Rangers indeed will be rebooted. And it it will be rebooted from the creator of End of the Effing World. Now, before I get into anything Power Rangers, I want to stress that show, End of the Effing World, on Netflix, easily one of the best shows um, that I have seen and is in my top five shows of this year. Season two was a bit of a step back from season one, but was still a phenomenal season. I loved everything about it. It just screams what you assume, um, you know... uh, people go through in the course of of life um and I, I loved it because it just went super dark like from the door um and I had so much fun with season one very well written show very well casted um very well directed love that show um I personally cannot wait to see what they do with Power Rangers now before I pass it to you Tia I'm very angry that Power Rangers is being rebooted because for the umpteenth time, I will say, there was abs- – no, let me not say absolutely. There was not a lot wrong with that uh, – with the one that we just got. Now, I do believe Elizabeth Banks having a lot of kind of creative control um, kind of hurt it a bit. Her Rita just didn't scream the Rita that we're used to. Um, I feel like they tried to make her, um, like, visibly attractive but still, like, menacing, and it's, like, what I remember Rita from the cartoons, uh, not the cartoons, sorry, from the, uh, the the show, I never once saw Rita and was, like, yeah, man, she's hot. Like, no, ever, never, never, never. Um, So I'm, like, you trying to make Elizabeth Olsen seem, you know, super attractive as Rita, 
It's just like it's you're confusing me. Like <laughs> just make her, you know, look super menacing, super ugly if you need to. Um, but I just feel like a lot of beats were wrong with that villain. I also thought it was a huge mistake. You never once alluded to or even showed us um Lord Zed. So I'm like, well, of course we know Lord Zed will be there at some point, but it'd just be nice for you to let us know like he exists. Um, so I mean, and then her being a Power Ranger back in the day turned villain, just a lot about it was just like you could have just followed exactly what the original show did and you would have been fine the nostalgia itself would have carried you um but they decided to do so much with that but um see i'm gonna go to you what are your thoughts about this um this reboot and have you actually seen end of the effing world i have not seen end of the effing world and i haven't seen the latest power rangers so i do apologize that i may not be able to speak that much about this but it is a little sad because I think I saw in an in interview that uh, how do you pronounce his name? Zachary Montgomery? Uh, Zachary? I think it was uh, Daker Montgomery. I think it was Daker. I, I think I heard the kid from Stranger Things call him Daker, but I could be wrong. Daker. Well, we'll, we'll go with that. Daker. I think he really liked being in the Power Rangers and would have liked to come back for a sequel, but obviously now that seeing rebooted that's not going to be the case the only thing with power rangers where i feel like it it works for it to be rebooted is because we've had so many versions of power rangers it's like james bond you don't expect the same guy to always be james bond just like you don't always expect the same people to be the power rangers so in that case i don't think it's as say shocking as maybe other shows and movies where they'll say oh we're rebooting it and you'll get upset because you're so attached to uh, the actors who played it but with Power Rangers I think we're just used to seeing this uh, recycling and uh, kind of changing of the guards when it comes to it so um, you know what like stuck out to me from just the trailers because I do remember the trailers the costume. So I'm wondering now with the reboot, are they going to keep the costume something similar to the recent movie, or are we going to go back to a more traditional costume? Here's here's the thing, Tia. My biggest thing about the Power Rangers is, like you said, but the one difference about the Power Rangers more so than any other franchise is that it's so interchangeable. There's been at least 60 different Power Rangers um, shows since I've been born in 1993. So what I would like for this studio to realize is every time you want to do a Power Rangers movie, guess what? It doesn't have to be Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It could be SPD. It could be Wild Force. It could be um, Dino Thunder. It could be Zeo. Like there's a million different Power Rangers you could use. And what would be better for your bottom, like your bottom line, your, 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 uh, you know, your box office would be if you take something that maybe someone doesn't remember, um, like any of the Power Rangers that I named Ninja Storm, and you get creative with it because um, not a lot of people remember that that Power Rangers, so that there's there's less of a we expect this kind of thing from it because the people that remember that might only be like 15, 16 years old, so like they're not really who you're trying to necessarily uh, – you know, get in the theater. You're trying to get the fandom 
that remembers the originals. You're trying to get the kids that remember what they've seen the past, what, three, four, five years. Um, so you can get creative with it. I think you forcing it to be Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is going to continue to put us at a stance to where we're like, well, it has to be like what we remember it being or not really going to support it. Quite like the last one that you just released. So stop putting yourself in a box, get more creative, open it up and give us something that we don't remember. Um, or if you are going to give us Mighty Morphin again, give me Ivan Ooze again. Like, don't give me Rita. Don't give me Zed. Give me Ivan Ooze again. Done right, even though I love the original. Um, but just open it up a bit more. Get creative. I think they, they box themselves in too much. But, um, we are joined by Will from Cena Nerd. What's going on, Will? What's up, y'all? How you doing? Good, good, good. You're on with me and Tia. We were talking about the fact that Power Rangers is being rebooted um, by the creative end of the effing world. Uh, How do you feel about that news? Like, did you like the last Power Rangers movie? I will be completely honest with you. I haven't watched any of the Power Rangers movies and, well, ever. So, I... (laughs) <laughs> so when I when I heard this news, I, I was like again, and, and and to Tia's point, I was listening in some uh, as uh, as I joined, and uh, you know, is there in your point too, is there a a need for this? Is there a clamoring for this, uh, especially on a feature film level? I mean, this seems to me uh, better for streaming service at this point instead of you know trying to have a uh, Playmobil esque collapse catastrophe at the box office by by doing this type of film. So if I were if it were my brothers and I was a studio that was going to greenlight a project like this, I would be looking at at the streaming service Netflix. I mean, because I mean I know the uh, potential person that's behind this uh, giant whistle. He's behind, as you said, the end of the fucking world. And um, you know that that would be a to me a better platform for something like this than say another feature film. See, my mindset has always been if you find the right person, like we'll, we'll get to this a, a little later. But the Flash's director and Andy Muschietti, like that is the guy where when you heard Ezra talking about he wanted a bit of a darker Flash, like a darker tone, you go, all right, well you can't just get anybody to do it. You got to get someone that is a very passionate and b has a background of what he wants to deliver. Uh, And what are the Power Rangers known as from the original original show? Teenagers with Attitude. What was End of the Effing World? Teenagers with Attitude. So I'm like, you can, this seems like the person that that, um, is A, um, you know, really excited about doing this, and B, somewhat has the background to be able to pull this off. So I'll say this to your point, Will. If this movie is bad, or isn't just phenomenal, then yes, you have to start looking at maybe just keep it as, you know, a show on Nickelodeon for children, or maybe try to do, um, I'd even say if you did a series, like you guys remember back when that last Power Rangers came out, while it was shooting, they dropped like a a rated R version on on YouTube, like it was Mm fan-made. Do something like that, but for like a streaming, like you said, a streaming service, and people clamored more to that YouTube thing than they did the actual movie. Um, so I'm like, you have ways you can go here. I usually am a fan of going darker um, because if you spent your whole career just doing light, 
I'm like, at some point, it's just like, all right, well, we know, you know, everyone lives, blah, blah, blah. Spice it up a bit. That Power Rangers that they showed on YouTube was as dark as you could possibly get. I loved every second of it. So maybe that's what yeah. the next yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe do that. That's one. true. I mean, and 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 on, and I'll just be you know honest here. I, I'm I am not the demographic, and I'm not the uh, I'm old. So I you know as far as Power Rangers, that to me that is not something that you know, I'm going to really push to go see. My kids might, they may not, but you know if they, clearly if if according to this report that you know a new project is in development, they there clearly is a market for it. Uh, of course, it's not going to be a you know billion dollar franchise film uh, like MCU or Joker or even Lion King or anything like that. But you know, I, I guess there there's enough there that it'll be profitable that the studio will feel comfortable greenlighting it based on the points yeah. that you just made. Yeah, no, 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 I'm I'm with you completely. I there is a market for it because we've learned this. There's strangely like t- today more so than any other time in history. Is is literally a market for anything. Um, so I mean, the fact that they turned that what was that pig game that you play on your phone where you launch the pig. The fact that they turned that into a movie and it did Angry well. Thank you, Bert. There's a market for everything. Literally everything. Um, but Tia, before we move, on, you had something you wanted to add? Oh no, that just that uh, when you were talking about the darker version on YouTube, that sound is like a good idea. We've all known Power Rangers no matter what year you were born. I was born in 1990. Obviously, remember Power Rangers, and it's always been this very bright, uh, you know, in some retrospect, campy sort of uh, series and franchise, and especially, you know, with the last one. I didn't see it, so I can't pass judgment, but the trailers look very bright, which I normally never complain about because I can't see shit. But um, if they want, if they want to go in a darker direction for the adults who grew up with the Power Rangers, I never am against that. I love when they do that with things that us like '90s kids remember as children, and then they bring back, but they put a darker spin. We appreciate that. We're older. We pay taxes. We have jobs. We get it. So to me, that'd be perfectly fine if they wanted to do that. I feel like you would have a lot of uh, people our age who would want to see this movie. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And I, as, as you were talking, I was I was thinking back to that original show, uh, and I'm like, they were called Teens with Attitude, but, like, they all looked 30 trying to portray I guess, seniors in high school. It was the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing ever. Um, That's but my yeah, job. No. I'm always a friend. <laughs> I'm just like, this is they're so like, weird. They're- they're like they're thirty something year olds trying to play like early twenty year olds living in New York City. Yeah, no. But I'm sorry, go ahead, yeah. Joanne. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm with you. It's like, all right, it's not gonna work. We see through that. But um, all right, let's let's move on. Um, we wanted to wait for you, Will, before we got in the trailer talk, because I figured you, you know, yeah. you wanted to get in on Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman, and Ghostbusters. Um, so let's start with that. Um, I want to start with Birds of Prey. If anyone did not watch the Video Game Awards, which I wouldn't have suggested for you to do. Um, we did get a little snippet of a trailer, I guess, a teaser to the upcoming trailer I assume we're going to get, um, start of next year. Um, we got a little bit more. I really enjoyed this 
teaser more than I enjoyed the last trailer um, because you kind of got heart from everyone else. You got more from Black Canary and, and um, uh, I don't know why I can't think of her name. Uh, completely drawn the blank here. But yes, Huntress, Huntress thank, you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank um, you. You got a little bit more of an interaction between the two of them. It just, it screams funny. And this movie screams like it's going to be a very, very, very fun time. Well, I go to you first. What were your thoughts on the little teaser trailer? I guess Birds of Prey gave us. Yeah. So, I, in full disclosure, I did I did not see the teaser from the Video Games Awards. Uh, obviously, I did see the initial trailer that was uh, dropped. I guess, gosh, almost over a month ago, and uh, I that one left me cold to be honest, and it, it just didn't do anything for me. Uh, I really, it, that being said, the, the, the animated cartoon on DC Universe app has actually now, um, if they have that version of Harley in the film, then I will go see it because I love that I am really digging that show on the DC Universe well, isn't that show amazing? That it anime is. Harley Quinn is great. <laughs> it, yeah, so so for me, that's just sort of like, okay, I'm already kind of iffy about this character to begin with. So it, it I I for me, the show on DC Universe is is like that's the, you know it, it's satisfying, and if they have that vibe in the film, then then okay, I you know you won me over. And maybe that'll be the the um, thing that will you know get me to, to to see the film in the theater. And and like I said, I haven't seen the original trailer, but what the first trailer um, you know did leave me a little bit cold. And I'll have to check out the the, the one from the teenage uh, the, the excuse me, not teenage awards the uh, video game awards, so that uh, I you know maybe maybe that'll that'll help me. Um, around well I, I mean i will say yeah, you're, you're my witness to this i've been saying since forever that you need to market harley the same way that ryan uh marketed deadpool um to where you're you're kind of engaging all aspects of people um so what deadpool did well was that um it brought in it what it did was and this is so genius it marketed itself as a valentine's day movie so what it was trying to do to its female audience was go, you like how Ryan Reynolds looks, right? Like, come on, he's gorgeous, right? All right, how would you feel about a, a love story? This is a love story, right? And then, you know, you put him on The Bachelorette uh, for that little commercial that, uh, that he did. You kind of go, I really like this. It's entertaining. It seems funny. Um, it's supposed to be a love story. I love it. Boom, you got women on, on this end. God, all you had to do was show like him just shooting a bunch of people and that it was a comic book character. All right, cool. You got guys. So then you mesh the two of that and you make for one of the biggest rated R movies ever. Um, I think with Birds of Prey, what you're not doing is marketing people who don't know who any of those characters are. Like, sure, I know Harvey um, or I know Margot Robbie, but what are you offering me in this movie that I want to pay $16 for? And I think that's where it's somewhat missing its cue. And that's why I always tell you to you, marketing is very important. It's underutilized in today's time. 
And I tell you right now, Deadpool wouldn't have been as huge as it was if it did not have such classic marketing. Um, so, I mean, I am curious to see what this movie tries to do going forward. I mean, we're literally about two months away from um, a little less than maybe two months away from this movie coming out. So, I, I don't know. But, Tia, give me your thoughts. Did you see the little teaser trailer? Um, and has this movie sold you yet? Um, before I go into that, I just have to shout out Will for watching the animated Harley Quinn uh, show on DC Universe. I had the privilege to be able to watch all of the episodes before it came out, and by far, probably one of my favorite shows on here, Kaylee Coco. Uh, Kaylee Coco is amazing, like voicing Harley Quinn, but um, I just have to give a shout out there. And I've seen the teaser for Birds of Prey, and I really don't know why I have no desire to see this movie. And the thing is that I love Margot Robbie's portrayal of Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad, and I love Margot Robbie. She's a fantastic actress, and there's not anything necessarily wrong with her. I think that it's the movie around it in general. As you said, marketing is so important, right? And I get that. And they are being smart in putting Harley uh, at the front. But here's the difference. Deadpool was the star of his movie. It was Deadpool and Deadpool doing the marketing for Deadpool. Yeah, you had five characters, but it was Deadpool's movie. This is called Birds of Prey. And yes, I know the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, but it's called Birds of Prey. And literally, we, could give it, we couldn't give a shit less about the Birds of Prey. It's Harley Quinn. If you just want to do a movie and it was just Harley Quinn's movie, I think that it would be better with the marketing. But at this point, it's almost tiresome how little they seem to care about their other characters. And, but I'll go into the teaser a little because we did have uh, the others speak a little bit more than they obviously did in the first trailer. And I don't – so the thing is, is that I'm not very aware of these characters. I don't know how they're really necessarily supposed to act. I really don't watch The Arrow. The only, like, uh, say, um, exposure I have to – uh, Black Canary is actually uh, that one crossover where uh, the same actors played Black Siren and Zoom was in it, and that's, like, about it. And I have no idea about Huntress. I'm not sure how they're supposed to act. I don't know about the actress who plays Black Canary. I know about the actress who plays Huntress, and she's a good actress. But for some reason, oh, my God, it was, like, cringeworthy, that one point where Black Canary was like, oh, she has rage issues, and and Huntress goes, I don't have rage issues. And I was like, ooh, this is, this is cringeworthy. And I saw people online like saying, oh, this is so funny. Look at the rage of acting to me. I thought it was terrible. Um, so I thought, if that's the level that we're getting, I don't know. And then the promo pictures that came out of that looked terrible. And uh, I really hate the way Ian McGregor looks. I'm, I, I really don't like this. And I want to like this. Everything in my being wants to like this as a fan of Margot Rowdy's, as a fan of Harley Quinn's, as a 
supporter of uh, the first pretty much female ensemble superhero movie. I want to be in support of this. I just don't like it. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on the teaser. Well, I'll say this. Um, A few things to what you said. One, don't ever, like ever, 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 let Arrow be um, what gives you an idea of what characters should be like. Um, Because Guggenheim and those guys do whatever they want. Um, I will say, though, um, depending on how good this Huntress is, I still to this day think the best Huntress I've ever seen um, was season one of Arrow. Will, you know who I'm talking about. She was phenomenal um, as Huntress. I freaking loved her. I was upset that they haven't brought her back yet, and they're going to end the show without bringing her back ever. Um, She was phenomenal. Um, As far as um, Journey, Smollett, um, Belle, she is actually a family friend of mine on my mom's side. Um, so I actually really? met her. Really? Yes. Huh. She, um, she was casted obviously because they're going for a more, they're going for a different take on black canary. So this take that they're right. using on black canary, she's a singer journey is, she is a singer. She comes from a family of singers. Uh, if you know the show empire, you know, her brother, um, uh, Jesse. So yes, she comes from right. a family of singers. So that's what they were going for with that. Um, I could speak to her singing. Beautiful singer. I'll be very interested to see what they do singing-wise. Acting-wise, couldn't ask me. I don't know. Um, but I'm really excited to see her in this big movie and see her in a big position to showcase her talents. But she is a family friend of mine, um, so I'm really excited to see what she does in the role. But I will say this to you. Movies like this, it's better if you don't have what you hope these characters um, are portrayed as. It's rather you just go in and go, I've never really seen these characters, you know, before, you know, let this be what sets, um, you know, my mindset for how I view these characters. Um, I will say... And that's usually... Go ahead. And I'm sorry, that's usually how I do go into, like, movies, because obviously I had no idea who the Guardians of the Galaxy are, and I have no idea who the Eternals are, and I'm going to go in, you know, I went into Guardians one way, and I'm going to go into the Eternals the same way. So uh, I, and I'll do that with Birds of Prey. I just am saying it like a marketing standpoint, and from the trailers, there's nothing, there's been nothing in them other than really awesome costumes besides Black Mask, but the girls, they're awesome costumes, besides that there's nothing that has really drawn me in. Well, like yeah. I said, this. Oh, go ahead, Will. Yeah, I mean, to your point, you, you nailed it. Um, that's and it, that that is really why I felt cold about the first trailer, and really have been very lukewarm about about this uh, film. It's like, okay, I'll just, you know, I'll just wait till it comes on Netflix or whatever, because there is no draw. And to your point, Juan, about uh, Arrow and you know how these characters are portrayed. Um, you know, I think about the recent DC film Joker, and it really see. I think the Joker trailers really didn't really convey how powerful this film was actually going to be. And maybe thinking that with this Birds of Prey film, even though they they are focusing all the the marketing on. On, on Harley Quinn because you know folks I mean that was really the standout 
character from the Suicide Squad film, and and you know they're hoping that she's Margaret Robbie, and and this the simple character Harley Quinn is going to be the draw to get people in, and it may be a very fine fine film. Uh, to and so, so from that standpoint, it is a smart move marketing wise to focus on her, even though the title of the film is Birds of Prey. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, look, I I get where both of you are coming from. Um, I the first trailer didn't really do anything for me. Um, this teaser, what stood out to me was if you, and again, everyone always says I'm strange because I pay attention to things like this, but if you listen to um, her voice pattern in this teaser and then her voice pattern in that first trailer, she has a thicker New York accent, quite like the Harley that we're used to hearing in this teaser that she didn't have in that first trailer. I am curious to hear, because my biggest issue with Scarlet Witch is that she goes in and out of her her accent. And she does it so much so that at some point you kind of go, didn't she have an accent last movie? Because I haven't heard it at all this movie. And I'm really hoping Harley doesn't go through that. Like, I don't want to hear that thick New York accent that we got in Wolf of Wall Street and then hear her sounding like she did in Suicide Squad. I need you to pick one and stick to it Um, because that upset me the most in the first Suicide Squad. I'm like, she just did Wolf on Wall Street to where she sounded like Harley Quinn, only for you to bring her in as Harley Quinn and her to sound nothing like it. Um, That really, truly bothered me. I don't know what David Ayer was doing, um, but that man gets enough grief about about that movie. I want to get on to it. But I will say this, guys. Apparently, from CCXP, uh, Black Mass has his traditional uh, white suit and mask. Harley um, goes through like so many different wardrobe changes. Black Canary looked accurate to the comics, and so does Huntress. That's really all I could ask for. I mean, good acting and accuracy. So if I can get that, I, I, I can live with everything else, I guess. Um, Tia, you know this. I wasn't the hugest fan of the first Suicide Squad, so I originally said this movie could be what that should have been. Um, so, I mean, I, I just hope it's a good movie, um, because what we don't want is to lose Marco Robbie as Harley Quinn. And with well, all the changes DC is going through, you don't want to risk that. But I'm sorry, go ahead, Tia. I just wanted to point out something really quick that confused me. So you have the suit. I know that everything that's going on with DC is a mess, right? <laughs> with their timelines. They don't know what's going on. But you have the suicide, you have the first suicide squad, right? And then you have Birds of Prey, and then you're going to have the suicide squad. And Margot Robbie is, I believe, set to reprise her role even for a small bit in the suicide squad. And we're obviously led to believe that in uh, Birds of Prey takes place afterwards because, you know, she breaks up with the Joker. And then I heard rumors that Jared Leto apparently is in it, you know, for a few seconds. But then Kathy Yan said that Birds of Prey doesn't take place after Suicide Squad, that it takes place in, like, some sort of parallel universe going on. And I'm like, but then you're going to have Margot Robbie return to reprise her role in The Suicide Squad. You have, like, this one, like, factor between all three of them, but you're saying they don't connect. I just was curious of what you made of that comment. Well, here's the thing. DC, as as a crapshoot, I make very little of. I mean, I, I said this before when this movie was announced. It would have been smart if everything connected because you could have had 
the end of Suicide Squad lead into where Harley is now for Birds of Prey. And then she gets arrested at the end of Birds of Prey, which then leads into the next Suicide Squad movie. So you feel as though mm-hmm. it's one cohesive sandwich rather than you having lettuce over here, ham over there, bread over there, mustard over there. It's like, and then you're telling me like, hey, just enjoy it. Like, no, that's not a sandwich. Like, put it all together so I can enjoy it better. Um, I think DC is in a world of its own, a mindset of its own. They don't know what they really want to do cohesive-wise. So here's the thing. For anyone listening that wants to enjoy DC movies going forward, watch it as its own thing. So right now I'm going to tell you, when you see the Batman in two years, don't go, oh, man, like the Superman exists. No, watch it as its own thing because that's the only way to keep yourself sane Um, because I am literally starting to lose brain cells trying to make things make sense in this DC world. Um, So that's the best way to approach it. Tia, it's confusing to me. Yes, I I don't get what she's talking about, but I have heard nothing but great things about that woman, um, that she is a phenomenal fan she did a great job on this movie um, and that she made sure there was a lot of fan service in this film. So I'm trusting her, even though her words don't make sense. Um, but that's where I choose to put my face is in good things I've heard about her rather than everything that I want to assume will be horrible about this movie. Um, but all right, let's, um, let's move on. We gave a lot of time to Birds of Prey even though it deserves it. Um, let's go on to Wonder Woman 84. This trailer did to me what seemingly Birds of Prey did for you, Will. It just, it did nothing for me. It did nothing for me. I don't like, I don't like big, I don't like big suit reveals in the first trailer. Um, I, I feel as though that is, that's, that's you telling me that that moment when I see it will somewhat be lessened because I, I, I've seen it. I've seen the costume, whether it's in your promotional photos, um, your posters, or you putting it in your first trailer. I would have, as a fan of Wonder Woman, would have loved to have seen that as it happened. Same with Aquaman. I hated that when they put that in the trailer. Like, that's a moment you don't show me. That's a moment where, as a fan, I sit and watch it and go, oh, my goodness. They did it. Like, they they were able to finally do it. Um, So I feel as though you cheapened that moment for me. you know, so I didn't like that. I also just couldn't grasp what I was watching. Like, I feel as though, and you guys might disagree, I think Pedro Pascal's character is actually a version of Vandal Savage. I don't think he is the actual character that they're saying he is. There has to be more to that character um, than what we've seen from this trailer. That's what I'm putting out there. I'm going with a version of Vandal Savage. Um, Are we sure that's Pedro Pascal? I said, are we sure that's Pedro Pascal? <laughs> oh, as long as he's not wearing a mask, we're 100% sure that's Pedro Pascal. Outside in the, 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 the Mandalorian. <laughs> I mean, when he does action, when he does action sequences, it probably isn't. But um, we're hoping that that is Pedro Pascal. Um, but yeah, so this trailer just didn't really do anything for me. I, I'm still excited to see the movie. Um, because I am interested in seeing what Patty Jenkins does by herself, because her last movie, that second act, was very much influenced by Zack Snyder. Um, so now that yeah. we know he's no longer hands-on 
to these movies, I'm really interested in seeing what she does on her own. Um, and again, from what I'm hearing, she did a really great job. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm excited for the idea of that. But this trailer did nothing for my excitement level. Um, and I was really hoping that it would. So, um, but Tia, I'm going to go to you first. Your thoughts on Wonder Woman's first official trailer. Oh my God, Joan! I have to respectfully, one hundred percent, disagree with you. I loved this trailer. I watched it five times. I watched it right before we got onto this podcast, just so that I can like relive it. I love it. I love the feel that we don't have Zack Snyder holding on to this movie. It is completely Patty Jenkins. It is amazing. I love it being in the 80s, the music, here's Diana, just kind of experiencing this new, really funky-ass error going on. Um, there's a lot, you know, happening. I mean, the action sequences I saw were awesome. Like, I watched the first Wonder Woman, and it was good, but I thought that there were a lot of things that needed improvement. And to me, this just looks like a fun, badass, like, I loved it. Uh, Gal Gadot, like in her outfit, seeing all that. Like, yes, I have questions, right? How the hell did Steve come back? What's going on here? But I love the whole, like, it is so, like, 80s with Pedro Pascal, you know, doing those um, infomercials. Like, you want to be successful. You want to be filthy rich. You know, here it is. Look at my cars. Look mm-hmm. at my awesome, you know, house, blah, blah, blah. Like, so. Um, we we've seen that you know we've seen that even in like 80s you know movies and shit so i like that it felt very much uh connected to the time um i really liked it even Kristen wig of course see, see yes we got that gold costume reveal right but guess what we haven't gotten yet we haven't gotten uh Kristen wig's reveal so i think that that's did, something though. that they're playing for did we, we get did. her looking like Cheetah? Yeah, it was a promotional photo yeah. that I, I I hated. It was her in, like, this all Cheetah, like, outfit. It wasn't, like, Cheetah that we remember from the comics. Like, like that was legit just a Cheetah. Um, but she had, like, well, Cheetah print on. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, so I have seen that, but that's what I'm saying. It could be one of those things where that is being, like, kept very close to the chest. Just, like... Yeah. In all of the promotions for The Mandalorian, not once did we see freaking Baby Yoda, and then suddenly, you know, Baby Yoda is there. It could be one of the things where the, it, and also with Black Mask, also with Black Mask, they're not showing us Black Mask, so they might not be showing us Cheetah just to hold on to that reveal a little bit. So we're going to have to be patient. See, I understand the reservations about that. Believe me, I saw that Kristen Wiig, like, cuff and everything. It looks nothing like her at all. <laughs> um, and so I do understand it. But as far as the trailer, I loved it. Um, I thought that it was really good. I loved the costuming, loved the pace of it, the music going, seeing uh, Diana literally ride the lightning was awesome. At the end, that little, like, everything is art. No, that's just a trash can. Um <laughs> I think it's cool. I think it's fun. Patty Jenkins is obviously just doing her own thing. Um, and I don't know. It doesn't look like, I mean, again, there's, there's a few things. 
There are a few things I could probably break down a little bit more, but I don't want to take up too much time. But um, overall, I really enjoyed this trailer. It made me so much more pumped than I ever thought I would be for a Wonder Woman sequel. Because, again, while I liked the first one, I wasn't blown away by it like maybe other people were. So this got me really excited for this movie to come out. So I liked it. I liked it a lot. Again, some things I would have changed, some things I could probably dissect, but overall, it it got me really excited. Well, I will say this. As far as your first question, it seems as though Pedro Pascal's character um, grants wishes. So whatever your greatest desire is, he grants it. Now, whether that comes at a cost or not, we have to wait and see. But apparently, he finds out that Diana's biggest wish is to be with Steve Trevor again. Boom. Reunites him with uh, reunites her with Steve Trevor. So Cheetah's biggest motivation is to be more like Wonder Woman. Um, so then he makes her into something that is like Wonder Woman, but obviously maybe has bad effects, a bad take, whatever. Um, so seemingly it looks like he's a wish granter. But that's why I said there should be more to that character because your last villain was horribly done. Um, horrible reveal, horrible look, everything was bad, like horrible. But I don't know if I put that at Zach's feet or Patty. I don't know, but they could share that. Um, so my biggest thing <laughs> is, um, to me, Cheetah has to be done well, and that has nothing to do with Kristen uh, Wiig's acting or anything. I've said it before. I think some of the best dramatic actors are comedians because to be a comedian, we hear it numerous times, you have to reach dark places. Um, so they could pull for more. So I trust her in the acting uh, department. She's done a few movies that I really enjoyed um, where it wasn't a comedy. So that's not my my concern. My concern is you doing Cheetah, like, properly um, and how you get it to look. Um, Is it aesthetics? Is it makeup? Like, what what do you do to make Cheetah look really good? So that's my biggest question. But, Will, I'm going to go to you. Your thoughts on Wonder Woman 84's first official trailer. First official trailer, loved it. I completely uh, co-signed many things that Tia just said as far as the uh, – I mean, as soon as I, I got that uh, Thor Ragnarok vibe from it with the with the score, yeah. uh, using New Order, uh, that, what better theme – what better song to, uh, to uh, basically set the tone uh, that, you know, this is the 80s, maybe you get some of the Cold War vibe – coming from it um the the the, obviously the reveal of the gold costume didn't really distract it from me i mean i was glad that they held some held some back with with cheetah and didn't show it uh i know you mentioned the the promotional still but but uh, i i I love the trailer i i really uh can't wait to see this film this summer uh, I really enjoyed I enjoyed the first one like you said you know obviously Zach Snyder's fingerprints were on the back half especially the climax of the first film but uh, Patty's obviously great director and and also you know it's good to have that that perspective and that touch on having a female director direct a female lead superhero uh, I think there'll be there's some there's some nuances and touches that you know no no disrespect to Snyder or anyone else that uh, you know a, a male trying to to 
give that perspective to a female character. So just, you know, there's just some things we just we just can't do. And so I think, you know, Patty showed in that first film with the right touches with Diana and the curiosity and, you know, when she first encountered Steve. And then now with this new film, you know, if uh, Maxwell Lord is indeed the infomercial bad cable guy at the middle of the night who, like, you know, grants wishes um, and, you know, Diana's big wish is for Steve to come back and, 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 and if Patty can show that loneliness that Diana's been feeling ever since she lost Steve in the, in the first film, uh, I, you know, I think that'll be a, a, a hopefully they'll, they'll explore that some before he does come back to really have it be that good emotional, you know, re, re, reunification between the two characters. So, uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. And, um, I, you know, hopefully they don't, uh, I'm, I'm hoping they keep Cheetah's costume close to the vest to the film itself and it's not available for that. Yeah, I mean, her costume is one of the easier ones to do. Um, so it's like there shouldn't be much trouble in you making sure that that's done very well. Um, but I'm watching the trailer now and I'm like, the action sequence is Pat Jenkins freaking nailed. Um, the one where she's uh, blocking the bullet, throwing the tiara like a boomerang. Um, I'm like, there's mm-hmm. so many things um, that are just a really great aesthetic from this. And I just saw Maxwell Lord pull out what looks to be more of a magical rock. If anyone knows Vandal Savage, Vandal Savage with the whole idea of the yeah. meteor um, and stuff like that. That's why I'm like, the first time I saw this, I immediately told Joel. There's a really good chance that he could either be Vandal Savage, like legit, or a version of Vandal Savage. To which I remember, uh, it was rumored um, when the movie first started filming, could he be Vandal Savage? And I'm like, yes, why would you waste Maxwell Lord on Pedro Pascal? Make him um, Vandal Savage. Um, But then I'm like, CC doesn't know what it's doing, so like, would he be Vandal for the long haul? Who knows? I need a god... I need another God versus God. And he is ultimately a God. Um, yeah, he thinks he's a God, but um, he can't die. So it's like putting someone like that up against Wonder Woman, it makes for a great battle. Um, but it looks like Cheetah's is going to be the main villain, not Maxwell Lord, but who knows? But again, the trailer didn't do anything for me, but I am looking forward to this movie coming out next year. I will truly enjoy it um, from everything that I'm hearing. So Huge shout out to Patty Jenkins. Um, but all right. Well, I know we don't have you much longer. So before we go to Ghostbusters, I wanted to throw something in here. We did a Facebook Live. Uh, me and Joel do a Facebook Live every Wednesday usually called Bush to Do About Nothing. Um, Malcolm asked me something about Matrix, right? And I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on this because I-, I didn't want the show to end without me bringing this up. So he brought up an idea to me uh, about Matrix. He was like, what if in Matrix 4, they go the route of Neo being, um, you know, Neo kind of somewhat turning or, or along the lines of that. And I was like, I like where your head's at, but I got something better for you, right? We have very little uh, information on Michael B. Jordan's character, like, if any at all. I mean, a lot of people are saying um, Morpheus's, um, you know, son, stuff like that. I say don't don't do that. My biggest thing is, what if they do Matrix Four like they did Star Wars, 
And here's where I'm going to get too nerdy for you guys. What if Neo turns out to have been just like Anakin, the false prophet? Everyone thinks, oh, this is the guy that's going to bring balance, bring peace. But truly, he does not. Now, Joel pointed out to me, but didn't Neo save the world? Well, technically, Anakin did the same thing when he killed Dooku. They didn't know that Palpatine was the true uh, puppet master until till it was too late. But he killed Dooku, and, uh, you know, seemingly that brought balance. Like, they thought there was no one else in the, um, you know, on the, on the dark side. So my mindset is, what if Michael B. Jordan is the true one? And we see an epic battle of evil Neo versus Michael B. Jordan's character, uh, an ultimate face-off to where this ends the arc of Neo. Um, so maybe you have something super evil like Neo kills Trinity, um, something like that. I'm completely geeking out here. Um, well, I'm going to go to you first. What would you like to see from the Matrix Forum? Would you like to see the idea of the Matrix maybe going a little Star Wars and us getting a false? chosen one. Wow, that's uh that's a that's some some pretty deep theory spiraling there there as you did with Michael B. Jordan's character in Matrix Four. Um it, it, that would be if if the Wachowskis I guess it's just she's it's just the one sister, not not both gonna be doing this project, right? Uh I think both might have a hand on it. They very rarely do anything um, separate from each other, so I would say safe bet is where one Wachowski sister is, the other one will be not far behind. Um, so okay. even if writing I credit, I'm sure the other one would would have something to do. Yeah, I just couldn't remember because remember if they were both engaged in a project. And the reason why I bring that up is, I mean, with their with their work, they you know they always try to take things and take it in an innovative way and something that hasn't been done before. So while I like your theory as far as going uh, a, a Star Wars reboot route, um, well, not reboot, but um, you know, new kind of way like we've seen in, in, in that universe, um, I, I, I agree with you that I think they will do something very innovative with this particular universe because you know, with the third Matrix, it did seem to be the end of that, you know, end of that arc with Neo, and you know, and to undo that, you're going to have to do something quirky or you know, and innovative to be able to 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 take this story in a different way. So, uh, I like, I mean, I like, I like your, I like your theory. Uh, I think that they will probably do something like that to 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 take us take us in a in a new direction with this franchise especially uh given how they ended things before and will you know I'm just you know as as things get developed I'll you know I'll keep an open mind about it I mean because I mean, honestly, I, I have to admit, by the time I got to the third Matrix, I I was I had gotten kind of fatigued with the story. Um, I, I thought that it had really watered down a lot of the uh, uniqueness about the about the first film. Um, and so, yeah. So when I heard it, they were coming out with the Matrix Four. I, I was I I had I, I honestly had mixed feelings. 
I did. I just kind of feel like if you're bringing it back, right, after all this time, which I'm not a huge fan of you taking that much time off to bring something like that back, which is why I'm not really looking forward to Batman 3. Not extremely looking forward to Matrix 4 unless they do exactly what I just told you guys. Um, purely just so I'm right. But, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. If you're going to bring something back like this, there has to be new stakes. That's why when you brought back this original Skywalker trilogy, how do you, how do you give, uh, you know, how do you bring new stakes? Boom, you kill Han Solo off in the first movie. Then how do you get higher than that? Boom, you kill Luke off in the second movie. Like, that's you actually showing us you're ending an era. Um, I don't know if Matrix is looking to end an era or start a new one. I, I don't know what they're looking to do, but I don't want to see a Matrix 5 in Neo and Trinity are either A, still alive, or B, still good guys. Because to me, it's like, I hated Revolution. That was the third one. I thought it was horrible. Um, I thought Reloaded was the best out of the three. Um, so I'm like, you you have to do something that we've never seen before, whether that's visually, story-wise, whatever. Um, but I also want to see state. Like, you blinded Neo, but he was still super dope blind. So I'm like, all right, well, that's not a real state. Like, <laughs> like he's blind but he could still kill like half the population um so i'm like that's not fair then you made him so he could fly it was just it was a mess uh but tia what are your thoughts um i actually haven't even talked to you about matrix at all are you a huge matrix fan um and what would you like to see out of this next matrix movie um (laughs) i remember seeing the first one and after that i don't really know much about the whole lore or franchise or anything. I've been keeping up with the casting for the new one. I know that some people were shocked that uh, Neil Patrick Harris has been cast for the fourth one, but hey, as you said, Joanne, the comedians normally are the ones who actually fare pretty well in um, a serious tone movie, so they have to do something to kind of shake it up. Uh, you can't really, I believe, just rely on nostalgia for people to get people to come into the theaters. You have to really do something that's really going to stand out, or else then this fourth one is just going to be a waste. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. So I'm like, stakes have to be very high. So hopefully they are. Hopefully it feels right. Um, and hopefully it doesn't just feel like someone at that studio is just trying to get a check. Um, you know, cause that to me is the biggest robbery. Um, so hopefully, like I said, it, it all makes sense. Hopefully it's a swerve and it's all really, really, really fun. Um, that's all we could really ask for. Um, but all right, let's get back to our, tra- I just wanted to make sure I threw that in cause I wanted to hear your opinion on it. Will, uh, before I, yeah. uh, before I lost you. Um, but yeah, let's get back to yeah. our last trailer. Um, let's talk ghostbusters. This trailer I thought was a lot of fun. Biggest thing I got from this trailer was I told Joel. If this movie ends and all of the original Ghostbusters that you said will be in this movie aren't helping the kids stop the ghost at the end and their cameos are legit just short cameos, um, like, Will, to be more specific, I thought a lot of those crisis um, cameos were poorly yeah. used. Um, like, don't just use them just as a cameo. Like, you utilize them. Like, even if you have them fighting and then, like, they, you know, their earth gets evaporated and that's it. I'm fine with that. But don't just have them just sitting there smiling and that's it. Like, Hunter's running through, uh, running off the rooftops. Like, I never watched the original Birds of Prey show, so I'm like, 
that did nothing for me. But to actually see her as Huntress, like, fighting would have been dope. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm like, don't yeah. waste these cameos and Ghostbusters. Have Bill Murray and these guys put back on the old suit and help these kids save the day and then pass the torch. Um, because if they do another Ghostbusters reboot, you're not getting these three guys to ever come back again. Um, like, you just, you've ruined your... <laughs> your cameos with the last Ghostbusters and then with whatever they do with this one. So hopefully you utilize it in the proper way and they suit up for the last time and help these kids out. Well, what are your thoughts on that? And what were your thoughts on this first official trailer to the um, rebooted ghost uh, Ghostbusters? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, so I first, as far as thoughts on the trailer, I, I like the trailer kind of very, and I, uh, hate to say this, but I'm just going to say it. I got a Stranger Things vibe from it, and I know part yeah. of it is it's called Finn Wolfhart was there. Um, and, and and also, just because Stranger Things just leans so heavily on nostalgia uh, yeah. as far as telling their story. So so I did get those kind of feelings when I was watching the trailer, but, uh, but whenever you know, they had the, uh, I just watched it again right before we got on, and you know, seeing the footage from Ghostbusters '84 and in the film, and of course Egon's grandkid is being involved. Obviously, since Hal Ramis is no longer with us, God rest his soul. And so that was, you know, I those kind of moments definitely got me excited about this film. Without getting into all the all the all the shit that was like went down between. The reboot that was done with uh, cat, you know, with the uh, female-led cast a few years ago, which I thought was a really was a great idea, but I think a missed opportunity to to reboot the franchise. Just being totally honest, um, it was a fun movie, but it, it was definitely a missed opportunity. I, I think this one, uh, you, you, of course, you had Jason Reitman taking a, a big, you know, has has a hand in it. Uh, definitely seems to, you know, with Paul Rudd, who better to, you know, have the, the comedic chops and timing to, to carry the, that, the, 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 the comedy aspects of the original Ghostbusters into this new uh, direct sequel to that, uh, to the original franchise. Um, and as far as the questions about the cameos, I agree. Yeah. So, Definitely, you know, things in crisis on Infinite Earth was definitely a lot of fan service. Uh, they, you know, they, they acknowledge that. Uh, I do again I think that it would be a, a, as I said, like a missed opportunity with the lot with the reboot. If they don't properly use the original characters in this film, it'll definitely be a huge disappointment and missed opportunity utilizing their uh, utilizing the original source material and carrying forward this film if it's a if it's a one off or if they plan on doing a, a, a another round of uh subsequent films from this one. And so hopefully they'll integrate the original characters in a way that sets it up that when they do have the the final confrontation, I don't want them around, but I want them to be able to Get the get the new generation set to be able to take out whatever the protagonist the antagonist is in in the in the film, 
and and, and so that way it, it'll truly be the you know the new generation taking care of the ghost, whereas you do have the old generation having the proper place there of getting them prepared for that. I, the, the one the one reason why I didn't want it to work out like that is because it's weird. It's a small town, so it's like all right, you have these kids that save ghosts, so it's like. Now everyone knows that these kids save ghosts. I think what made the <clears throat> what made the original Ghostbusters so special was that they were adults. They could handle that. Like they could handle the fact that everyone, you know, thinks they're crazy or whatever. Um, you know, cuz it's like it doesn't matter. We know what we did, but it's like it's kids. So come next ghost in this small town. <laughs> what you going to call them? You're going to call children to come save save the day? Like to me it's well, no, yeah, well, no, it's really kids, but also I think Paul Rudd would be the leader of those kids. See, I think he's just – I think he's the the guy that lived through the original alien uh, – not alien, I'm sorry, ghost attack. Um, so, like, he knows, like, it it exists. It happened. It's real. I think he's just going to be the teacher um, that maybe helps them, you know, get, uh, you know, get gear together and stuff. But I don't think he'll actually suit up as, like, a member of the new, new Ghostbusters. I think it will just be the kids. But it's just, like – yeah, it's just weird to know that when you say who you're gonna call, like kids show up, like, <laughs> like you know what yeah, I'm saying? Well, I mean, they have them, they have them in the trailer, like you know, driving the old Ecto one and you know, using the proton proton packs and stuff in the trailer. So, I, I, and it may, and it, and it, you know, and depending on when that is, I mean, I don't know if that's the conclusion or you know, if they like find all this gear and like going off and doing their thing, and then of course the old hats come and and come help save the day. I mean that could be how they, you know, how Spangler and 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 Bankman and Winston come back. I don't know. I just want, I just want, especially if you're telling me that these kids are taking the torch, you're gonna make two or three uh, more movies with these kids. Cool, no problem. I just want one last time when you say who you're gonna call, the originals show up to help save the day. They don't have to be the ones to save the day. But they help say that they don't want you to use them as motivational factors for the kids. Like that to me again is a waste. I want them to suit up one last time and help these kids save the day. Um, you could even have it to where like the ghost knocks these three out, and then the kids see that, and you know it, they rise to to saving the day. That's fine, but they need to suit up one last time because I'm telling you now, when you say who you're gonna call, these kids show up. I'm going to be angry. It's like if you shine the bat light and, and Damian Wayne shows up. It's like, you're not who I wanted. I wanted an adult. I did not want a child. Um, but Tia, how crazy am I? Like, what do you want out of these cameos, and how did you feel about this uh, first official trailer? Well, first of all, John, I don't need to sound any sort of way, but they're going to look like Robert De Niro from the Irishman showing up to fight up these, like, bad guys. Bill Murray's 69 years old. I mean, well, um, I it's not going to go well for them. They're going to break a hip. <laughs> no, I will say this, though. Think about it. They're fighting ghosts. Like, it's not like you have to see them do, like, action sequences. They're legit just using weapons to try to capture these ghosts or stop these ghosts. So I'm like, a lot of it can be, you know, maybe a stunt double, or whatever. But I, I highly doubt, like, <laughs> these kids are even going to be doing that much crazy stuff. Um, I think it'll be more like 
what the original were. Like, you know, they weren't necessarily like hand-to-hand combat or anything like that. So I think you could see them suit up one last time. They all look good for their age. So, you know, it won't look like Bernie Sanders out there trying to put on the suit. You know, they they look good for their age. Um, I mean, you know, they're, they're not that old she is, what I'm trying to say. Actually, I would like to see that. Oh, yeah. Bernie Sanders, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That would be great. Oh, my God. He's he's taken on Trump, Juwan. He can take on some ghosts. Um, <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> um, so obviously the trailer is very much uh, Stranger Things mixed with the Sandlot. Uh, I think that my comments were a little negatively received, just because to me it didn't necessarily. I didn't feel initially when watching the trailer that it felt like Ghostbusters. Now that could very well be because they're not in the big city anymore and we're so used to seeing Ghostbusters in the big city having the uh, the funky music playing and I didn't necessarily mind the 2016 uh, remake um, and wow. no, that's not <laughs> and that's, that's not because I'm a woman and they were all women. I didn't mind it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and I'm sticking to that. But uh, this new trailer, you know, it just, it, it didn't feel to me like the quintessential, like what you feel about Ghostbusters. But then I think Kanan pointed it out, you know, you don't want the same old, same old. And, you know, that's true. And there were some things that I liked that obviously I'm a huge fan of Paul Rudd, so I will gladly see anything that he's in. I did like a few of his scenes, him just like, oh, this is, you know, replica. Replica of what? The ghost thingy. And he's like, shows the real footage. He's talking about the New York City being the walking dead back in the day. And I did love the one scene where he looks at the little girl, and it's like you see the wheels spinning in his head, and he's like, who are you? And you're like, oh. We know who she is, um, and I do agree that I don't think Paul Rudd is going to be suiting up. I think it's going to be very much like that teacher in Stranger Things where they call him up every once in a while, and they're like, hey, can you help us out with this whole little thingy, but, you know, you're not actually going to be fighting with us. Um, if this is going to be a franchise, and it's going to be these children, and they're going to remain in the franchise, I think you run into the problem, like how you always said, Juwan, that they're not going to stay looking like that forever. When you have adults in a franchise, you, they, for the most part, in like a 10-year span, they look relatively the same. But kids that age are going to start changing. So if you're trying to capitalize on the fact that they're cute kids right now, that's going to change in the next few years. Yeah, that's, that's always been my biggest issue. That's why I'm like, if you're Shazam... Like, the worst thing you could have ever done is let The Rock think that he could have his own franchise with Black Adam. Because I'm like, remember this. Uh, Angel, I think is his, is his name, Asher Angel or Ashton Angel, whatever his name is, the kid that plays Billy Batson. He looks like he's 16, playing like, what, a 13, 14-year-old? So I'm like, all right. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Sooner or later, that kid's going to be 20 before your third movie. And you're going to have mm-hmm. to try to still convince me that he is – because that's Billy Batson. Billy Batson is one age. Like, he doesn't – you don't see a 30-year-old Billy Batson turn into Shazam. Like, no, you never see that. 
Um, so I'm like, well, what are you gonna do the more he ages? Like, it's not like Spider-Man. Spider-Man, right? We've seen Spider-Man like as 20, 30. Um, so that's fine. Tom Holland can continue to age, but this Asher kid, it's like you gotta kind of do these movies relatively quick while everyone is young and adorable, because the more they get old, the more that stops becoming adorable, and it's just like. Oh my God, it's so annoying. Like it's not adorable. <laughs> um, like the more I look at Finn, uh, the more I see Finn. Like whether he's in movies or or whatever, I'm like I'm gonna so hate this kid when he's like twenty, twenty five or something like that. So like yeah, I get these Stranger Things done now because I'm gonna hate this guy a lot. <laughs> so I, like that's my only issue is like you using you know kids in a long span. It's like. When they stop being adorable, you lost my money. Um, but all right, yeah, I'm with you. See, I, I will say this: I think a a a, meet, a a common ground to what we're all trying to say about Paul Rudd. I think if you do see him suit up, Will, I think it will be like a joke and like a ghost will knock him out. Um, but he'll go yeah. like, well, I helped you guys. Like mm-hmm. he's like, no, you, you really didn't. Like <laughs> you didn't do yeah, anything. Yeah. Um, but I can. He, he, he takes. He, he takes. Uh, he takes uh, uh, Rick Moranis' place now. Yes, yes. Yeah. I can see them. As, but here's the thing. I see him as more of an Alfred role. So, like, going forward, maybe he helps them create the weapons and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, meanwhile, still being the teacher of the school. So it's like, you know, not really seeming too suspicious that he's interacting with these kids too much. Um, so I kind of see a role like that. Um, but definitely not like a member member. Cause that's weird. Especially when you call the Ghostbusters and you see like eight twelve year olds and one thirty year old, it's like, all right, this is this Wait. is creepy. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just got a fan theory. Isn't Finn's mom supposed to be like a single mom and brought them to like this town? I'm calling it now that Paul Rudd gets with the mom, and that's how he remains kind of involved in this whole thing because now he's like the new boyfriend. That to me. Oh, me will make yeah. more sense because it's like you having him just tag along all over it, all over the place starts to become a little gotta call Chris a Hansen. little weird yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but all right let's uh let's move on I want to talk CCXP um mainly because I heard this conversation a lot a lot of people saying should we start respecting CCXP the way we do San Diego Comic Con and the reason why my answer was well, yes, we should start respecting them, but the reason why it will never work is because it's in Brazil. So if you live in New Jersey, it's not the easiest place to just hop on a plane to. It's easier to go to San Diego. Now, what makes San Diego special is that not just anybody can get into it. You could buy a ticket, and then they tell you there's no space, and then you get your money back. Um, Brazil doesn't seem to be like that, really. But it's like, who has money to just go to Brazil? Like, no one really does. So it's like, that's not the easiest thing to just say, yeah, no, everyone come out and support. You're in Brazil, man. Like, you you know what I'm saying? You're not in Vegas, at least, to where it's like, all right, cool, all right, Vegas, I can go to Vegas. Um, so that's what's going to hurt its appeal. But I think if you start giving more exclusives to CCXP, you're going to have more people maybe wanting to make a vacation out of it and head out there and be a part of that experience. Um, but seemingly, it just seems like an end-of-the-year San Diego Comic-Con, really, because um, most of the stuff that happened here was somewhat at 
um, San Diego Comic-Con. Now, it'd be interesting to see, because Warner Brothers was the big draw from CCXP. So it's like, does Warner Brothers make that its own thing, kind of like how Disney has D23? Maybe CCXP becomes a Warner Brother exclusive. I don't know. Will, I'll go to you first. Do you ever see CCXP being up there with San Diego Comic-Con? No, I don't. I think it'll be like New York Comic Con. It'll be a big. It's a, it'll be a big draw, big event. But whenever, the, but the tent pole for for the genre is still San Diego CC. And yeah. And so I think that's where it'll be. It'll be like New York. You'll have you know New York CC is a big event too. It's in the fall, um, and. And some, and you do get a lot of of the big the studios showing off their their properties and, and whatnot. But but San, but again, it, it's still not quite at the level of San Diego Comic Con as far as in the in the public domain and, and consciousness. Yeah, and, I and I think, think a lot com- of good. Yeah, and I think this, and I think this will be the same with the the the. Brazil Comic Con is it's the same type of dynamic. It'll be big, but still not, you know, not not like uh, like the others. And 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 also even with San Diego Comic Con now, I mean, you, you saw like this year. I mean, Warner Brothers skipped it and and did and 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 looking at other venues or and you know, of course, Disney uh, it was D twenty three every other year. I mean, that's their big event um, and. I mean, Marvel basically, you know, took the center stage at San Diego Comic Con, and uh, with you know introducing the next phases of the MCU. So, um, you know, I think you'll still you're still going to have that happen at San Diego Comic Con, and it's and it's just you know just proximity to to LA and um, and the uh, Creative Factory. Even though a lot of things now are shot in Atlanta and, and Toronto and other in Vancouver and other places, but you know, it's still it's still to me the, the the industry standard for for the the big release and the the big you know movies that's going to be coming out. Yeah, and I do think I do feel as though one thing we have to keep in mind is CCX seemingly feels relatively new, like maybe the past ten years, uh, within the past ten years. So it's like it'll it'll need time to build itself up. New York Comic Con, like you said, me and Tia pride ourselves off doing New York Comic Con, but we know that there is only one thing that just feels like the it factor, and that's San Diego. Um, like San Diego feels like, hey, we're we're the big guy in town. Like, you know, you're cool at New York Comic Con, but you're not us. Like the Batman will be here, but he won't be there. You know what I'm saying? So like it does mm-hmm. have that appeal, but with CCXP they got everything Warner Brothers wise that people at San Diego did not get. Um, so that's what I'm saying. If you're yeah. Warner Brothers, find a way to maybe make CCXP your big thing, like D23. But I will say this: what's becoming a bit annoying about San Diego Comic Con and then watching D23 is that seemingly they're telling you, "Hey, don't be too excited about what you see there because anything Star Wars wise." We'll probably just make that a big thing at D23. Um, so then it's like, all right, well, why am I watching this for Disney? Like, are you going to show it to me here or there? You know, and then it becomes right. you buy tickets to D23 and they did what they did uh, this year where they had a whole Marvel panel 
and, you know, Mahershala come out and everything, you then go, oh, well, damn, I thought they were going to do that D23. That's why I bought D23 tickets. Right, um, right. It becomes like, what do you do where? So to me, I think Disney should just completely pull out of San Diego Comic-Con, purely do D23, um, because it's becoming confusing. I don't know where to buy tickets to uh, when it comes to right. Disney. Cause, like, you're going to show some here, show some there. It's a headache, right. man. It's, it's a headache. Yeah, yeah. And, it's and we didn't even mention Star Wars Celebration. Right. Oh, goodness gracious. Star Wars Celebration. Oh, what is Disney doing to me? Like, why are there so many yeah, things? Yeah. <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> too many things to keep up with. It It is, and it's like, all right. I'd understand this if you weren't Disney and you were trying to like establish yourself. So you have like so many different things. Disney garnishes a billion dollars, like almost every other month. So it's like, why do I need three different like places to view news from? Just give me one place. See, is this annoying you also? Um, I mean, I enjoy all of the news that comes out throughout the year. So, I mean, I'm, most likely never going to go to the Brazilian convention just because that requires me to, you know, get on the plane and shit. Uh, <laughs> same, thing. <laughs> uh, same thing with probably San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, that's just ridiculous. I tried a few years ago, and there were no hotels. And it was like a year prior, and there were no hotels in the area. I mean, this was before, I think, Airbnb, but there was nothing available in the area. And I'm like, okay, well, where am I going to sleep? Nowhere. So I guess I'll just wait for everything to come, you know, out on the internet. And then I go to New York Comic Con because it's literally a train ride away from me. So I don't know. I'm not necessarily like, oh, you know, stick to one venue, but I don't see that, like going back to the original point, I don't see uh, CCXT necessarily being such a huge deal, uh, not a huge deal, but such a huge draw in because it's not as simple as within the country. Like even with, say, going to San Diego Comic-Con, even if people are traveling, people can road trip there, um, and then not everyone has passports, you know? Like even if you are flying from across the country to go to San Diego Comic-Con, maybe people don't have a passport and don't want to get a passport, have a fear of flying or whatever, and that's going to prevent them from going to this Brazilian convention. I will say this, though. Last year, we got, I think it was last year, last year or the year before, we got more information about Far From Home than we did at San Diego Comic-Con at um, CCXP. We got the whole Jake and Tom mm-hmm. sitting on the couch talking and, like, Jillian Hall had to keep looking at Tom like, yo, shut up. Like, yo, no, 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 shut up. Um, so, like, that was a great <laughs> moment. And then this year, seemingly, we got confirmation from every uh, outlet that was out there that Black Mass will be um, in his actual comic accurate, um, you know, get up. And so will Canary and so will um, Huntress. So it's like that information yeah. didn't come from San Diego or New York. It came from CCXP. So it's like, I think fans are more so, um, you know, entertained by the well, idea of CCXP um, because it seems like that's where all the good information is, is coming from at, at this right. point. And we know next year, the Batman will be there. So it's like, will yeah. we get more information there than we do at San Diego? Who knows? But go ahead, Will. Right. And I think the other thing, too, we have to remember is 
not everybody's like us <laughs> that are yeah. just so like passionate about these about the genre and, and and getting news and you know most you know average person who you know they just love just to go see an MCU film see it watch it you know and they could care they could give a shit whether if it was debuted at San Diego Comic Con or New York or whatever so I mean I think you know we are sort of the uber next level dorks who like really get into this kind of stuff but you know average fans really couldn't give a shit I I agree but here's okay because what where you're going is the somewhat the same argument I had with Joel when I told Joel Matrix and John John Wick 4 should stay on the same date right and here's my mm-hmm. logic remember when BVS originally got its its um its release date and then Civil War had the same date and everyone was like, yeah. well, who's who's going to move? Ultimately, I think Civil War ended up moving. But to me, I said, no, no, because you're going to have a lot of diehard Marvel fans that are going to see Civil War. You're going to have DC um, hardcore fans that are going to see BVS. The numbers will equate. And if you see either or, word of mouth will make you go see the one that you didn't. So I'm like Matrix 4 and John Wick 4. You're going to have Keanu Reeves diehard that are just going to want to see both. I personally, before John Wick, care less about Keanu Reeves. Now I can't I can't wait to see anything Keanu Reeves does. So I'm like, I'll I'll see both. You clearly did not you clearly did not grow up on Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. I definitely did not. I (laughs) I did not. (laughs) I did not at all. That is that is a God's honest truth. Um, but yeah, to me, I'm like, um, I'm like, it'll balance, it'll balance itself out. So you'll have people that maybe don't care about, um, you know, the stuff that we do, but picture if you, you know, you've seen a couple of the Batman films, you know, you want to know what about this one makes you want to go see it because it's not the same guy that you saw last time as Batman. Right. So it's like, all right, hearing casting news, seeing the first official photo of Batman, Maybe that gets you excited to go and see it, and that's as a casual fan. That's yeah, yeah, but I think a casual fan again. I think, my, my, you know, to my point is they don't they don't really get wrapped up in whether it's San Diego Comic Con or New York Comic Con. They'll see the trailer, you know, it'll it'll trend, it'll for a day or two when it drops and stuff. But I don't think they get really wrapped up in oh, it just premiered at Brazil or this premiered at. NYCC or San Diego CC. I mean, I think it's just to them. It's like, oh, I just saw the Wonder Woman trailer. It's it's it's, it's so dope. You know, it's not like you know the venue that it was that it came from. Right. But what could help that is you making things exclusive to something. So picture if it's like, all right, this year I saw like, all right, I saw the Wonder Woman trailer. All right, cool, that's fine. Like, you know, I don't really care where it came from. But then it comes out. The only place for you to see it is from blah blah blah. So, like, now you have to hear about it because, remember, when Justice League um, – not Justice League, but I can't remember who did it. Maybe it was last year or the year before. But a lot of times these studios will play a trailer at uh, at a convention and not release it for the, you know, for the general audience. Yeah. Maybe, like, a month yeah. later. So, it's like then right, you have to right. read about it. You know what I'm saying? And I well, think they I mean, just re- – I mean, good, well, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, the recent example of that is Mandalorian. I mean, you know, there was the, the right. stuff, yeah. Star Wars celebration. And yeah, yeah, and of course we got we got the bootlegs, but 
and uh, Black Widow. They released the trailer at D23, but we only saw it recently. Yeah. Right, right. Before we go any further, I want to introduce, we got Dan from They Call This a Movie. What's going on, man? Hey, everyone. How you doing? I was just listening and uh, glad to be here finally. Yeah, no, we are really glad to have you, man. We were we were pretty much talking about, I was asking everyone, do they think CCXP, which is uh, pretty much the Brazil con. Here's the funny thing. I had been calling it the Brazil con for about a month. It was only until okay. 40 minutes before this show. I actually typed in Brazil con and it came up CCXP. I was like, oh, maybe it was a bit offensive <laughs> just calling it Brazil con. Um, so it was good to have a real name. Um, but my question was, could CCXP ever compete with San Diego Comic-Con? And I asked that because, um, we got a lot of stuff from CCXP that we did not get at San Diego Comic-Con. Like, um, you know, they got the, they got a new trailer for Birds of Prey where it showed them Mm -hmm. Black Mask in his comic, uh, accurate costume, uh, Black Canary and Huntress. Um, and they got King Kong versus Godzilla in a in a highlight reel. So like they got a few things that we still do not have, um, and seemingly won't have maybe for another month and a half, if that. Um, so what are your right. thoughts? Like, but with CCXP, do you think it could ever, you know, become on the same level? I think what really draws for San Diego Comic Con is the the actors that they get. That's one of the huge things, uh, one of the huge selling points because New York Comic Con, I feel like they're so far behind and everything. They never get anyone great. I've been going to New York Comic Con for 10 years. Uh, they usually don't get any, uh, they, they usually don't get any tr- new trailers or anything along those lines. It's usually Walking Dead or Game of Thrones, but now that that's done, they really, they haven't really done much. But if, uh, was it CCXP? Yeah. So if they can start getting some star power behind it, I think that they can compete with San Diego for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, look, me and uh, I've been going to New York Comic Con recently, um, you know, us uh, going as press. And I'm like, we've been interviewing people that are like really big. But like, I look at the fact that Grant Gustin and Stephen Amell literally. It, it, this isn't like the truth, but it seems like they refuse to come to the East Coast. Like they will never step foot on the East Coast, and it irks my soul. Because I'm like, all right, well, you know, I I can't really get to San Diego Comic Con. They won't clear us for press passes. Now they clear us for press passes. Arrow's not a show anymore. I'm like, oh, well, right. this right. is life. You know, like <laughs> this is what my life's become. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm totally with you. I mean, sure. I think last year we got Hellboy in San Diego Comic-Con, maybe, or maybe not. I don't, I don't think they got it, but it's just like, you got to do more exclusives, but it's hard for New York Comic-Con to do that because San Diego gets them all. So by the time October comes, it's like, well, we already just saw this stuff in, in July. Like, why do I need to come recycle it? So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I know like this year. I mean, New York did get things like Star Trek Discovery, the Star Trek Picard. I mean, there's, I mean, there's just so much content out there now that I think some of these other cons can can definitely compete with San Diego, to Dan's point. Um, and and so, so 
you know, I, I, I think the playing field. I mean, I think San Diego will still always be the the, the big one, but I think the other ones can can definitely compete and will definitely get eyeballs uh, because there's just so much content out there now. I'll give you a perfect example, right? Excuse me. Birds of Prey was at New York Comic Con, right? Birds of Prey yeah, does not have a legit panel to where everything that CCXP saw, we could have seen. That, to me, is a problem. They popped up. It was not known they were going to be there. They popped up. Um, so that's even worse. I'm like, me and Joel were like, we were looking at Twitter. Kanan was posting that they were there. We were like, we just left here. There wasn't nobody there. Like, where were they? So, I mean, to me, it's like, get them a stage. Show us a trailer. Like, do stuff like that. Because it's so hard to get people like Margot Robbie or Regina King in the Watchmen panel to actually show up, um, you know, to one of these New York Comic Con things. So it's like, do a panel. Make something out of it. Don't just tell me it's a photo op. Like, no, man. And then when you don't tell anyone, we don't even know to be prepared to go out there, you know? So that's my biggest yeah. issue. But um, before before you head out, well, I wanted you to give your um, I wanted you to give your podcast a, a plug, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, thanks again for for having me on uh, today. I've really, really appreciate it. It's been fun uh, talking with you guys and getting some getting some other perspectives on things. And uh, look forward to look forward to doing it again. And hopefully, uh, my my host uh, Sarah can join us the next time as well. Uh, you can, but uh, you can find us uh, at Cena Nerd on Twitter. That's uh, at Cena Nerd. S C E N E. N N E R D. Uh, we're also on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. So be sure to rate, subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, wherever you get your podcast. And um, and also you can find us on Geek Vibes Nation. So thanks for hosting us as well. And uh, look forward to doing this again. Absolutely, we will have you both on again very soon. I was actually talking, messaging you about. Uh, when we could do this next. Um, so thank you very much for joining this crossover episode. Uh, me and Tia definitely loved having you on, and we definitely have to do this again. Uh, so thank you very much. And like Will said, um, you can find them at Cena Nerd, or you can just go to geekvibesnation.com. Anywhere you find our podcast, you will find their podcast. Definitely check it out, because um, they cover all the things that I would love to cover, but I don't get a chance to. Um, so definitely check out uh, them cover literally everything. Um, so thank you. We'll, we will have to do a podcast together because I just binge Runaway. And all I'll say to you, Will, is I hated it. So we will talk about that later, uh, but I'm, I hate it. Yeah, I just, I'm just going to tune in for the Cloak & Dagger episode, and that's it. <laughs> oh, wow. I tell you this. That was the best part. And here's the funny thing. Never once saw an episode of Cloak & Dagger, but those were my best, my favorite episodes of this season. Yeah, well, we'll take we'll yeah. we'll definitely have the have a conversation about Marvel Marvel TV in the future. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Thank you very much, man, for joining us, and we'll definitely have you back soon. I appreciate it. Not a problem, not a problem. All right, so um, Dan, welcome again, and Tia, welcome again. Uh, what I wanted to talk to you guys uh, about is still in CCXP. Um, I wanted to talk Kong versus Godzilla. We got a little clip of Kong punching the hell out of Godzilla, but that's not what struck me the most. What struck me the most was how huge 
King Kong has become since that Kong movie that we got a few years ago. Um, apparently, the director is saying that Kong in that original movie was a child, um, and he is now a grown man. I don't know how the hell that works for animals, but I've never seen a growth spurt like that outside of maybe Anthony Davis. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, but yeah, I want to start with you. Where is your height level for Kong versus uh, Godzilla? It's really funny that you bring this up. Um, this morning we did the top 10, uh, and it was the top 10 worst movies of 2019. And Britney put uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters on it. Whoa, and we whoa, were speaking what? A little... <laughs> uh, yeah, you're going to have to take that up with her. But 100%. we were... <laughs> we were talking about Godzilla versus King Kong. I love Kong Skull Island. So, um, and I unfortunately did not see the Godzilla movie. So, um, I guess the hype level is like medium, just because maybe I'm not necessarily so into these franchises that this is like the main event that I'm looking forward to so much. But it is pretty cool that we're going to get our modern day uh king kong versus godzilla so i would say that um it's going to be interesting yeah i, I <laughs> wow worst movie of 20, I, I don't think i'll be able to get over <laughs> over hearing what i just heard um, <laughs> wow um but yeah no this this to me i've never really been a fan of king kong or godzilla like before any of this i was telling joel i thought the king kong with jack black was only awesome because he was ripping open mouths T-Rex. That was like the dopest thing I think I had ever seen. And then when it became a video game and you could rip open a T-Rex's mouth, I'm like, all right, I don't know if I'm going to grow up and be a murderer and maybe I shouldn't be enjoying this, but this is awesome. Um, <laughs> so like, that's what I loved about that original um, King Kong movie. But I don't know. I've never really been that big of a fan of those monsters or anything like that. It wasn't until Kong Skull Island that I was like, yeah, I like this. And then when it ended with showing Godzilla on, like, the old wall, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm going to love this. Um, so, I mean, that really got me hyped. No, this wasn't anything that I was, like, into as a kid or anything like that. But, Dan, I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Um, are, you know, are you excited for Kong vs. Godzilla? Uh, well, let me start by saying I wore out the 19 – it came out in 1967, I believe, the King Kong vs. Godzilla, the original. I wore out two VHS tapes of that movie, watching it constantly. Uh, <laughs> King Kong, the, the original 1933 movie is my favorite movie of all time, and I – You and I my grandmother would, would get along swimmingly. I get along with everyone's grandmother, apparently. I'm – such a nice guy, I guess. Um, but I, I need to talk to your friend, Tia, because I enjoyed uh, King of the Monsters. Me too. I thought it was. Yeah, I, I, I liked all of these movies. I think, uh, from what I saw, the little clip, how they're fighting on top of the battleship or the aircraft carrier, uh, that's a very interesting platform for that and it just it made me excited that they're going to try to do different things with this movie uh i don't think it's going to do well in american audiences because it, it doesn't seem like we really care for giant monsters anymore 
and you know I understand that it's we I guess we moved on from that as a as a culture but I'm hoping it does well overseas because this stuff is supposed to be exciting and fun and silly at the same time but we I guess we don't get it here but I am very excited for this movie I can't wait I was really upset when they moved it back to November yeah Uh, me too man but it, I, that's going to be one of my favorite movies next year, regardless of how well it does. But just because it, it'll bring out the kid in me again, you know, watching two of my favorite monsters. I'm wearing a Godzilla shirt right now as I speak, uh, just going at it. And it's, it, it's going to be fun. No, I, I'm completely with you. I am, again, I, I don't know what was not to like about King of Monsters. I, I, I do think here's my biggest issue. I think whenever you have a, you know, something like that, like monsters or big robots um, that you see from olden days that are just based off the monsters, I think when you take that and you kind of modernize it to where you have a lot of human interaction, it kind of like, I remember the biggest issue I had with King of the Monsters was, I was like, all right, hold on. I'm seeing a lot of Millie Bobby Brown in not enough Godzilla. Godzilla more like you know what I'm saying like it's just it's yeah. too much interaction um and I get it because you can't have a full movie with just a monster that doesn't talk um so I get it but it's like don't make me care about humans it's called Godzilla king of the monsters make me feel for Godzilla um so that's why no. I kind of wanted them to focus on same thing with Transformers like, why am I seeing more human interaction than Transformers? Like, I only want to care about the Transformers. So I think that was my biggest issue, and I hope that it's not it's not going to be the case for Kong vs. Godzilla. Um, I just want that to be an all-out brawl. And I think if it is, I think it will do well here. Because um, I'll say this. I do not want to exist in a world that has no problem making Fast and Furious um, a box office hit, but will not make Kong vs. Godzilla one. Like, I don't want to live in that world. Um, and, and I really to live in, That is... <laughs> listen, you telling me that you got more entertainment with Dominic Toretto treating cars like, like action figures, but you couldn't wrap your head around uh, a monkey in, in a dinosaur? I, I don't know how much more interaction I would like to have with, with, with that human being. Um, so hopefully... Hopefully, good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just saying, I really liked uh, Pacific Rim. Uh, I thought that was such a cool movie. Having giant robots fight giant monsters. Uh, to me, that's it's a, you're, that's a movie where you leave your brain at the door and just you just watch these giant, you know, creations go at it. And I think that's what they should do here. Just be totally out of the box. Go crazy with it. Like you were saying. If Dominic Toretto can do a 360 in midair with his car, land it on a submarine, and bring the submarine down, why can't people just get like, oh yeah, you know, a giant, a giant monkey and a giant lizard, just you know, going at it, throwing each other off roofs and off of mountains? Don't go nuts with it. I'm with you, man. I listen. I still will never get past the fact that Dominic Toretto and Jason Statham's characters' cars went head to head. And both walked out of the car is fine. I will never be able to get over that. I, I, I don't think that will ever make sense to me. Like, ever. Like, ever, ever, ever. Uh, it, it shouldn't. It really shouldn't. 
Yeah, so I'm like, if that movie could do really well over here, Kong vs. Godzilla should be fine. Um, but all right, let's uh, let's, cross. let's move on. I want to get to one of your topics, Tia, and I want you to to kind of lead it. Um, apparently, I still haven't gotten through season two. Don't be mad at me, Tia. Don't kill me. Um, but oh apparently, Mr. Orlando Jones has been fired from American Gods. Walk us through what happened there, Tia. So. For those who don't know, American Gods is a uh, show on Stars, which is uh, an adaptation of author Neil Gaiman's book of the same name, American Gods. Orlando Jones plays uh, Mr. Nancy, who is an African trickster god, very huge in the show, especially in season two, uh, not just uh, on-screen presence, but also wrote most of the script for season two, simply because there was a lot of uh, problems behind the scenes. He had to step in and write a lot of the script, yada, yada. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, and this is not really a spoiler, but in the book, Mr. Nancy has a huge role. I mean, he is very present in the story up until the very end. So season three got a new showrunner, Chip Eggley, who was a former showrunner of The Walking Dead. And Orlando Jones just came out um, yesterday with a video saying that he was fired in September, which is right when season three began production. And the reasoning from Mr. Jones was that Chick believed that his character was too angry and, quote, unquote, sent the wrong message to black America. Now, the thing about... Mr. Nancy is, he is supposed to be rageful. He is a god uh, for, you know, uh, enslaved uh, Africans. He is a trickster god. He is meant to represent the, uh, you know, what has happened to African people in this country. Um, You know, his whole point was to be angry and to continuously bring up these injustices. And it is definitely a bad precedent, I believe, that when you have Chick, who is a white man, saying to Orlando Jones that your character, who's very big in the book, so that goes to show that Chick really just didn't pay attention to the book, um, is bad for black America. Um, And to me, that's just wild. The Twitter reaction, the online reaction is crazy. And normally, I don't take credence to what, uh, you know, online people really say. But I love American Gods. I love season two. I love Orlando Jones, and I feel that um, the comments are ludicrous. So I really wanted to bring like a highlight to this because American Gods has always had a little bit of a problem behind the scenes um, after their showrunners left from season one and they lost two of their stars. To lose this in such a fashion that they did is crazy. Well. All right, so um, as the only black person here, unless there is something neither one of you are telling me, um, let me say this (laughs) on on two ends. On one, I do think that is something that we get um, too much of, which is the angry black person. Uh, It usually is a stigma that comes from females, uh, the term angry black female. You see it a lot in movies driven by black uh, black female leads. that is real. There, there is a real thing uh, of us having the stigma of just always just being angry. Like 
We're just angry. Why? I, I don't know. We're just angry. So that is that is plausible. That's one. Two, I do not need someone who is not black telling me what he deems okay for black people. Um, I deem Orlando Jones to be someone who is in the community to know this isn't a good look for us. But if he's like, no, this is perfect, then continue with it. Like, th- th- where are you getting this from? Um, I mean, it was it was the same feeling I had when Trump <laughs> appointed Ben Carson. I'm like, Ben Carson looks black, but he's not black. Like, there's an alien inside of that body. Um, that's not a real black man. Like, don't don't let him speak for us. Like, that's not the guy you want talking for us. Um, so I'm kind of somewhat split on this, Tia. Um, I have loved what I've seen from Orlando Jones in the show. So I definitely don't want him to go under any circumstances. Um, it's clear he will never be back. <laughs> um, I watch his, his, um, his, his video that he posted. Yeah, he's definitely never coming back <laughs> to this show. Um, but I, I do think there is a stigma that has to be looked at. Um, but I do not think it's a stance that he should have taken. It is a stance that either social media, um, you know, black people on social media could have taken someone who was black uh, coming out saying like, maybe you guys should maybe step back a little bit from the overly angry black guy. Um, it's just, I think we've lived a long life of having some of having people who aren't black tell us what we should and should not be doing. I do not think that is progressive. I, I think maybe he thinks he was trying to help, but it's not progressive for it to come from you. Um, well, I you know, think that, um, and I'm sorry, ahead. I don't mean to interrupt no, you. No, I ahead. think that, because, you know, I, you know, I loved him as a character in a whole, you know, and I think that if you watched all of season two, like, yes, he can make people uncomfortable, but I think that's kind of the point sometimes, just and I don't watch Watchmen, but I know that that could make people uncomfortable, but it's things that you should feel uncomfortable about. Right. Um, and I think that the huge backlash of his firing is because it was not a person of color saying, we don't need this type of imagery. It was someone who absolutely cannot relate saying, we don't need this type of imagery. Yes, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm complete. I completely understand where you're coming from. And Watchmen is very uncomfortable. Me being a black male, I watch that and I just, I cringe. But it's because of everything they're saying is historically true. Um, so it's supposed to make you uncomfortable because it's like that's the reality. That's that's real. Um, but as you guys well know, I'm not an angry black man. So, so that is not <laughs> something that you want being portrayed to. Um, a wide, uh, you know, audience of black men. It's like, oh, you guys are always angry. Like, no, not not really. Um, so, so I, like I said, that's why I'm kind of split. I agree that's not who I want to hear it from, but I do also agree that that sometimes is a stigma um, that we do need to try our best to change. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, well, it's I would – go ahead. And it also seems that, well, okay, so they got rid of him, um, and they said that season three is not going to focus on a part of the book that Mr. Nancy is in, but what happens if American Gods gets renewed for a season four? Are they then going to just completely forget that this character exists 
in the book, or are they going to get someone else that they deem quote unquote less angry? It's it's tough, Tia. It, it's tough. It, it really is because I, I'll I'll bring this to a a different point, and then I'll pass it over to you, Dan. Um, like America's Got Talent. Never watch it. Never care for it. Never will. But them firing Gabrielle Union, right, for being for having a, a stance on what she deemed to be offensive to African Americans or whatever the case was, it had something to do about race. That's that's all. Right. But then you bringing in someone who is lighter, someone that we don't really know, someone who seems to be somewhat quieter, um, does seem to be a little like you finding someone you can control. Um, and that is offensive. <laughs> that is very offensive. Um, so it, it it kind of feels a little yucky if they do recast them. Because um, the first thing that the, the media is going to ask, whoever the new actor is, is about the Orlando Jones situation. Um, and if his answer isn't somewhat similar to how Orlando Jones felt, there will be backlash towards him. Uh, now, frankly, will it be unwarranted? Somewhat. Um, but nonetheless, he will have to answer that um, <laughs> honestly or in a business sense so he can keep his job. But if you do recast him, the, the questions are still going to be there because if you make him less angry, um, are, are you completely taking away from the character now? And if you are, you're going to have a backlash from the fans. Um, so it's it's somewhat to a degree a lose-lose situation, but it is a complete problem that I think the showrunner put himself in, that he just really didn't need to. Like, let Orlando Jones do his job. He's playing the character. So if he at no point tells you he feels offended being the character, that should probably give you a good idea on, on where he feels about how you're representing black people. Um, but, yeah, Dan, I, I want to pass it to you. Um, your, your thoughts on Orlando Jones being fired? Uh, I'm going to be honest, I have never watched American Gods, so I don't know anything about the character. I know Orlando Jones is a very good actor. I've enjoyed him in other projects, but I agree with you guys. If if they do decide to recast, I feel for whoever they choose to portray the character because then you're being brought in and pretty much they're probably going to tell the guy, like, don't cause a don't cause a scene here or else you're going to go the way of Orlando Jones. So you're, right. you're kind of putting this guy in a lose-lose situation. Like, all right, well, I can't, I can't portray the actor the way I want to in fear of him being deemed angry or not being what the, the showrunner or the, the creators envision for the character. So you're really, you're hamstringing the actor. Uh, and then at the same time, can you continue the story without said character? I, I don't know because I've never seen it, so I don't know how integral. It sounds like he's a very major character, correct? In the book, correct, and also in the show. Okay, so yeah, like how do you – I'm sure they are thinking of ways to kind of go around this character, but then you're really putting the the audience at a uh, – at, at a loss because now you now for those who have read the books they know what's going to happen and you're you're kind of throwing them through a loop uh, i don't like the situation uh it, it sounds just like people not knowing where they they stand or where they should stand just 
putting their nose in business that doesn't belong to them or they feel like it does. Uh, you can't, if you're not, and I, I mean this in the best way possible, if you're not of a certain race or gender or whatever, you really don't deserve to, you really don't deserve to have any input, in my opinion. I mean, it's just, it, it, it shows you kind of where, where we're at society-wise. Uh, I mean, to even yeah. hear, uh, to even hear, and this is this is uh, a story that apparently is is old or whatever. But to hear that they were looking for someone white, who was it, Harriet Tubman? Like that just lets you know oh, where society yeah. is at. Like, and they're they're I don't know if you guys heard, but like their their kind of like explanation for it was Harriet Tubman was so long ago, like. No one's gonna remember that she was black, and I'm like, what? Mm. <laughs> I'm like, no, Julia I'm like, what? What? I'm like, first of all, if anyone remembers what Harriet Tubman looks like, it should be black people. So we will will be looking at that movie like, what the hell is wrong with y'all? You're like, y'all really did this, um, and I think that would have been horrible for Julia Roberts' career. Like that would have been a permanent asterisk next to her career. Because it's like, if you're Julia, why would you say yes to this? Why? Why Why would you ever want to put yourself in that situation? So I'm like, it just shows you where we're at in society, whether it's then or now, that people who just shouldn't be speaking about things feel so comfortable speaking about things. And it's like, no, I, I don't think you're the one that should be talking about it. Like, the entirety of the whole Me Too movement, I'm sitting here and I'm like, Nah, nah, nope, that's nope, nope. I know it's right and I know it's wrong, but about feelings and about how things should be handled, that is not for a man to be saying. Like that, nope, I'm staying out of it, staying quiet. Um, but you know, it, it's just one of those things where it's like you shouldn't feel that passionate about something that you just you've never experienced, you've never been through. You know, so it's like it it it's really unfortunate that we're in this situation. For a show that's very successful, for a character that almost all the fan base loves, um, and Tia just let me know for uh, a guy in Orlando Jones that wrote most of the dialogue for season two. So it's like he did more work than just starring in, and you felt it was good enough to just say, nah, man, you're too much. It's it's too much. I'll let go of you. Like that that is a problem. But um, all right, let's uh let's move on. I want to go through these. <clears throat> Um, I want to go through these really quickly. I want to talk about Tia. Me and you might have to apologize to The Rock. Um, Shazam got its date. Black Adam got its date. Me and you, Tia, still feel as though Black Adam won't happen until it happens. Um, Flash got its release date. Mortal Kombat got its release date. So did Matrix 4 and John Wick 4. So I'll go through this really quickly. Flash, July 1st, 2022. Shazam. Um, for one 2022 Mortal Kombat January 15th 2021 Matrix and John Wick will share the release date of May 21st 2021 which one of these release dates Tia stands out to you the most uh, I mean I don't really have an opinion on the release dates I think with DC everything is ah, I'll believe it when I see a trailer I can't disagree with that, Tia. <laughs> I can't disagree with that at, at all. Like, literally at all. Um, Dan, which one of those stood out to you the most? 
it's tough not to say John Wick for and Matrix for. And I feel it's either going to be a great day for Keanu, it's going to be a horrible day for Keanu. So I, I feel like that one of them is going to back off the other one. Maybe he'll make a request, a special request, but hey, listen, you're you're killing me here, putting two of the most anticipated movies of the year on the same day. But it, it's tough not to say that date. Yeah, no, very fair. But I will ask you, if one of them had to move, which one do you think moves? Oh, jeez. It's 50-50. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Matrix because uh, John Wick is a proven, uh, a proven box office, you know, juggernaut. Uh, Matrix has been away for a long time and you you don't know what you're going to get from it. Uh, I think Matrix budges first. Yeah, no, if I had to, if I had to pick one, I would say, yeah, probably Matrix, even though they would make the argument our long-awaited return might show to be more than John Wick 4. But who knows? But to me, yeah. I think keep it and make and just make that legally Keanu Reeves Day. Um, like that from now yeah. on is just Keanu Reeves Day. Um, and contractually, Keanu Reeves has to drop a movie every year on that date. I, I'd say just go all out. Make that, <laughs> that a whole good thing. Um, but, all right, our last topic. Um, Tia, I go back to you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this. What was it? Uh, what was it Richard Jewell or Richard Nixon? Was what was his name? What Richard was Jewell. <laughs> what was the movie? You're you're killing it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> really quickly in the in you know respective time, Richard Jewell, Clint Eastwood's uh, latest movie. Kane and saw it, gave it a shit ton of praise. I have not seen it yet, so I can't judge it, but I do know that it is uh, garnering a lot of controversy because Olivia Wilde, who plays the real-life reporter Kathy Screw, is uh, depicted as trading sexual favors for information with FBI agent played by John Hamm, and people who knew the real Kathy said that did not happen, and that is a detriment to her character, and the real-life reporter is dead in real life, so she cannot be here to defend herself. And they say that that is an old, you know, trope to have the female reporter trade sex for information. So it is, uh, it is a mixed bag, pretty much. Um, and now Olivia Wilde has to defend her, you know, performance when really she's just acting a part. So uh, yeah, Richard Jewell is definitely splitting people right now, uh, as far as that goes. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. And here's here's the the main thing I would have to say about that. Why not just go the route of money? Just saying she paid them all. Um, I mean, for a guy, you wouldn't say the guy slept with the FBI agent to get that information, right? You would say like he either had right. something on the FBI FBI guy or he paid them all. So to me, I'm like, just say like I'd rather her be a morally corrupt person that paid someone for a story. Um, then slept with them. Like that's really that's that's something that is really hard to come back from. Um, you know, and it's just it's really unfortunate, especially because she passed away. So it's like she can't even come back now. Um, so that's truly unfortunate. But uh, but Dan, what are your thoughts? Um, from what I've heard, it's definitely a right wing, uh, right wing type of movie, where. 
Uh, I've heard the actor who plays Richard Jewell does a phenomenal job. He's very, very good. Uh, but yeah, this is basically fake news at its best, according to Clint Eastwood. Uh, like you got the yeah, you got the fake news, and then you have the the FBI agents who are just bumbling idiots, apparently. But uh, <laughs> it's 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 tough to say. It's tough to say because Clint Eastwood just he he has put out so many good movies, and then all of a sudden, I guess he's turned into the uh, like that old coot where it's you know it's make America great again kind of territory, you know? So it's kind of sad to see from someone who's so talented, but the the, the whole thing with Olivia Wilde's character, uh, how, how, I don't think you can blame her for portraying the character, how she's told to portray it, but it, it's just, it's a black eye on this movie. That's for sure. Yeah. I will say this might be a little controversial in me saying this, but I have always felt Clint Eastwood, is not the guy you want to be the voice for anything racial or anything gender. Um, he a hundred percent seems to be one of those very old souls that yeah. could look at women as being um, objects uh, as such as sleeping for uh, information. Um, and the fact that I don't think we'll ever see Clint Eastwood have a black lead. So, I mean, take take from that as you may, but that's what I view Clint Eastwood as. Nothing against his ability to direct or anything he's done acting-wise, but Clint Eastwood is not the guy I go to for anything racial or gender-wise. He seems very much like an old soul that would not be in, uh, not be in good light for either one of those. Um, but, Dan, before we close out, I want you to give us a uh, give us a drop, man. Let us know where we can find you. Much appreciated. Uh, yeah, so as you said before, uh, I am a part of They Call This a Movie. We drop an episode every Thursday, so we're in smack dab in the middle of Christmas, so we got a new Christmas episode coming out this upcoming week. Uh, that's with Anthony and my buddy Mark. Uh, you can find us at the main Damie on Twitter and on Instagram. And I'm also a part of the Real Play D&D podcast, Stranger Damies. So you can find us at Stranger Damies on Twitter and Instagram. And under the whole umbrella of the main Damie, and I guess under the bigger umbrella of Geek Vibes Nation. So, yeah, that's that's all for me, actually. And my Twitter is uh, at theaquino122. And I'm just, I'm a part of it all, baby. I'm loving it. Absolutely. And we will be doing more with Dan also. So stay tuned for um, more from Dan and more from Will, because we want to do more work with both of you guys. This was a lot of fun. And this was yep. one of many crossover episodes me and Tia hope to do with everyone. Um, Tia, I want to thank you again for being my anchor, because obviously I cannot remember anything, um, and I could not do this show without you. Um, so I want to give a huge shout-out to Tia. Make sure you guys check out an all-new episode of Top Ten with Tia. Um, I'm sure they had an amazing episode today, so make sure you check that out. And make sure you check out last week's episode to see what was going on with Brittany. Like, what what, what was happening? Why would she say that? <laughs> it was this week. It was this week's it was episode. Week. So. Even worse. Yeah. All right, check out last week and this week to see what Brittany was talking about. Um, but huge shout out to uh, Tia, Brittany. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Will, for joining us. And we'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Peace.